Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and Danielle Jackson. Well, Gianna, welcome back. We are so excited to hear that's your baby girl. Thank you. Yeah, do you want me to just read? No, I'm going to I'm going to just get us into it. Um we are going to talk about your latest birth. Um for those that do not know or have not heard her first, go back. Catch the first two. <laughs> um and Gianna is a certified nurse midwife. And she is serving all the people. Kill, if you want to tell those who haven't met you before a little bit about yourself and your family. Sure. Yes. Thank you. So like Danielle said, I am a certified nurse midwife. I live in Detroit. Um, I've been a midwife, gosh, I don't even, since, for I can't do math, can I? Six, seven years now. Um, been a birth worker for like 10, 11 years. So just crazy. Um, so anyways, I that's what I do professionally. I'm also starting to do childbirth education and pregnancy coaching on the side as well, which I love. That's becoming more of my passion. Um, and I am a wife um, and a mama. I've got two boys and now my baby girl that we just had in February. Um so yeah, I've got three, three and under. I could say three under three. I did have three under three for about two months, and then my oldest turned three. So I feel like three, three and under is still <laughs> a big achievement. So I am. Um, we've got a busy house. We are full. We are blessed. We are done, <laughs> and um, we are adjusting to what this life looks like. Basically, with three littles and having a job and a career that I'm passionate about. So, yeah. That is exciting. And it is a lot, but it is, Mm -hmm. um, as our friend Kristen Hannah always says, it's expansive, right? It's not just this Mm -hmm. whole um, feeling of too much, right? It's just this expansion of your life, of your family and everything that's going on that you've been able to capture everything, right? Have that that passionate career. And I think that a lot of people are always seeking like this fullness, um, not necessarily that they have to have a family or have to have this or that, but that it's what you want. And your you and your um, partner have definitely built that for yourselves. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Um, and it really echoes, I mentioned it in my first episode, how like pregnancy kind of had a theme word for me. And uh, my first was joy. Um, you know, all the feelings, your first baby, it's all exciting, joy, there was lots of that. And then my second was blessing. Um, he was during pandemic, he was a complete surprise. I guess we're still in the pandemic, but actual 2020 in the height of it, working in the hospital through the height of the pandemic. Um, and my father passed away. So he, you know, my second was just blessing was a lot of um, my mantra throughout that pregnancy. And then this one was purpose. Um, and so many things about the birth and, um, about even my postpartum really has, um, echoed that purpose. Like what is my purpose as a midwife and as an educator and as a woman raising a daughter? Um, you know, I think a lot of that has come into perspective with this expansion, um, of our family and the fullness of it. So yeah, for sure. It's been a journey. 
Tell us about your pregnancy. Hey, yeah. So this third pregnancy, um, I believe that when I did the last one, I had was very early pregnant with her. So we talked about it for a little bit. Um, she was, um, it was all my pregnancies, thank God, have been healthy and normal. I don't have any major complications. I don't have any nausea, any of that. Thank goodness. Um, and I remember this time, especially, I really struggled with like, gosh, something's going to be wrong. You know, what is the odds that you have three totally healthy, normal pregnancies in such sequence? Something's going to be wrong. I don't I don't know why I, you know, was plagued with those thoughts a little bit in the beginning. Um, but I had those a little bit this time. Like, what's there's no chance statistically that this is going to go right. Um, and I had early ultrasound confirmed everything is fine. Everything was fine. So that was kind of a struggle in the beginning a little bit. But physically no major issues. I do have really bad like SI joint pain, back pain in pregnancy. Um, and it got real bad this third time. So I was on top of it early, went to physical therapy twice a week, chiropractic once a week, um, which is a lot of work <laughs> to do that on top of working. Um, but I made the space and the time to be able to do that because I know that that works for me in the past. Um, so that physically was the only thing that really ailed me. But this pregnancy, I was very focused on. I was seeing the same midwives at the hospital around the corner, not where I work, um, but really close to my home. I know a lot of the midwives there. However, they all basically left while during this pregnancy. So I was like, gosh, I don't know anyone there anymore. Um I thought a lot about a home birth this time, which I had not in any other pregnancy. Um, I just kept coming back to this idea. If you remember, my second was an induction and um, we were all well and fine, but there were a lot of things about that experience that I just really did not like and did not want um, for this third and my final hoorah birth. Um, so I just kept focusing how I wanted things to be different and a home birth is as different as it could have been. So I brought it to Evan a few times. He is not, um, he is not into that. If he always says if he was a woman, he would schedule a C-section for his first baby. I don't think that's actually true, but he is not quite um, into that. So he was very scared about a lot of the safety things. Um, you know, we haven't been in this community that long. We've only been here about three years. We don't know that many people. So we also have a house with a lot of stairs. So like logistically, where would it be? I don't know. There were just a lot of things that he didn't like. And I wasn't even totally sold on the idea of a home birth anyway. So we had agreed that I would labor at home as long as possible. And I just wanted to show up to the hospital crowning basically is the joke I'd always say. And he was like, I think that's fine. Let's do that. You know, he asked me to send him some videos and things to help him be able to be a doula basically for me. Um, so he did, he did that work of watching that kind of stuff and be prepared. He has seen me through two of the births before, but again, the induction was completely different. And then the first birth was spontaneous. I did have an epidural um, that wasn't quite effective, but I did. So, you know, it was just going to be a little bit of a different birth um, if I really truly showed up to the hospital, you know, pushing. So um, I did a lot of, nurturing myself preparation this time that I didn't do. I had done a lot of physical preparation both times before, lots of exercising, and that's all great. Um, I did not do that as much this time for a variety of reasons, but 
I did um, do a blessing way this pregnancy, um, which I really wanted and I actually made happen. No one's planned it for me. I planned it for myself and two other friends. Um, a blessing way is like a, um, you know, traditionally it's done with all women and um, older women come to bless you into motherhood. And it didn't have any older women. I don't live close to my mom or mother-in-law or grandmother. Um, so it was myself and my cousin and each person picked a, a woman, a female companion to bring. And we just shared our fears and thoughts. We shared our blessings of motherhood. We um, let go of different fears. Everybody cried. Um, I asked everyone to bring like a token of their culture in regards to womanhood and birthing practices. So to share something, you know, either ancient or current that their culture does. And that was really, really cool and felt really supportive in a different way. Um, you know, I had had baby showers before. I had all the things and items. I just didn't have this nurturing component um, that I knew I needed this time. So I had a blessing way, which was really helpful for me. And I also um, had a ritual that I did on my way into work in the hospital every shift. I listened to the Doing It at Home podcast. In addition to yours, I've always listened to yours. Um, I added the Doing It at Home podcast to just constantly hear home births. Again, I didn't plan to have a home birth, but I just needed to hear totally undisturbed birth in home or intended to be at home and what that's like and um, that it goes well. And, you know, I just needed to inundate myself with that um, throughout the pregnancy. So I, I did that on my way to work every shift. And then oftentimes in the evening, I binged YouTube videos of home births um, again. So home birth and just totally undisturbed birth, woman-centered birth, um, as the person giving birth, that, that was just, I don't know. I just really needed to nurture that, um, during this pregnancy. So I binged a lot of home birth and normal birth content. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else I did differently this third pregnancy. That's, that was mainly it in preparation. I love that you, helped your well that even that your husband that ever asked for some additional support and how he could work with you and help you um often we think of you know am i going to get a doula is this something that we can afford right now is this something i necessarily need right now if it can happen in another way and it's important for people to see their partners or you know the dad as someone that can support you in that way and that a lot of the work that even I do as a doula becomes helping the partner, helping the birth partner and the family be in that space. Because what whatever happened if I couldn't make it, right? You, you don't right. need to be the only one with the with the knowledge and the resource. So, I love that. Right. Yeah, that was um, you know part of the discussion when we were talking about a home birth doula or not. Um, you know, he he really prides himself on he really likes to be there for me, and he you know. Not that he doesn't see the value of a doula, but he's just like, I can do it. I want to, I want to be there. I want to be that person. So, um, you know, and then I feel like I have so many good friends that are midwives and doulas that doula me and midwife me throughout the pregnancy. Um, so, you know, in the actual moment, um, 
you know, we didn't feel that we needed the presence of a doula, but yes, he needed to kind of learn up on some other tools and things to be able to support me how I needed to be supported this time. And it turns out that was very um, needed for this third birth. Um, so yeah, are we, are we going to get in, are we going to start the birth part? Yeah, we can get into it. Let's go. <laughs> so um, I gave birth at 38 weeks, six days. And, you know, for a lot of working parents, you approach, oh my gosh, when am I going to take my maternity leave? How much time do I have off? That was a big consideration for me, especially this time. I work night shift, which is exhausting in its own way. And I really wanted some time off before she was born to just sleep at night normally and um, have my kids be gone at daycare and have some days where I can just rest and do nothing. Um, and that was really important to me, but I was trying to time it. You know, I didn't want to take all of my time in PTO before, which one day I pray when my Chloe, my daughter has babies, if she chooses, that things are different for her. Um, but having to navigate that was really stressful at the end. You know, I was like, I'm going to go off at 38 weeks. And then I was still feeling good. I'm like, no, okay, I'll work two more shifts. And then I'm going to go out, you know, so that was a big stressor at the end. But I ended up working, I think at like 38 weeks, one day was the end, my last shift. And Thank God I had a couple days and nights off before labor, which I was very grateful for. That was important to me this time. Um, so in those last week, week and a half before, I would say almost every night I would wake up for an hour or two with uncomfortable cramping. And um, that did not happen with my other two pregnancies. I did not really have this kind of warning signs of labor coming. Um, so, you know, but being a midwife, I know... I don't know. I'm really hard on myself. Like, this isn't really it, though. This isn't really it. If you keep contracting, then wake up. But I, I would probably for an hour or two, almost every night for about a week, wake up at about 2 a.m., go to the bathroom and have a string of contractions that would keep me in my rocking chair. But I would just pray and meditate and fall back asleep and wake up the next day. So she um, so February 13th, which is the day before Valentine's Day, obviously, was Super Bowl Sunday this year. And we were having some friends over. So that whole day, um, Evan was doing some cooking, but I was still picking up around the house, running after the other two kids, getting ready for our friends to come over that night. And I was definitely having more regular Braxton Hicks tightenings. Um, but I was like, you know, it's just because I'm trying to get ready for Super Bowl. Once the kids go down for a nap and I go down for a nap because I nap every time the kids nap, that's my rule. Um, you know, it'll go away. So boys went down for a nap. I took a bath, took a nap, but still after waking up for the nap, they were still coming. But again, it was just tightenings. It wasn't painful. I'm still chalking it up to the fact that I'm excited that people are coming over tonight for Super Bowl, whatever. So um, Super Bowl comes, we're hanging out with our friends, we're eating, we're doing everything normal. I'm sitting on the birth ball a little bit just because that's more comfortable. Um, but again, just tightenings that aren't painful. So also side note, we had all, we had said throughout this pregnancy, I don't care when she comes, as long as she does not come on Valentine's day. That was a big thing for both of us. I don't know why I just felt, I don't want any child to be born on a holiday, but also it's Valentine's day. I don't know. I, whatever. So today's February 13th, right? It's Super Bowl Sunday. It's nighttime. So our Friends are leaving. They leave at halftime because they've got a little as well. They want to put him down at bedtime the next day is a daycare school day. 
So I remember as we walked them upstairs from the basement um, to let them out, let them out, sounds like my dogs, to say goodbye to them. That's the first time I had one that kind of bent me over the table. And my friend, as she was leaving, she was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, yep, I'm fine. Um, It was the first one that felt more like a menstrual cramp. And so I was like, gosh, okay, this is weird. Um, So they left. And it's again about 7.38. Um, We put the boys down, our boys down. um, And throughout the whole bedtime routine, I'm having cramping that more feels like menstrual cramps. Uh, But, you know, again, I'm like, okay, once I'm done putting the boys down, then I'll lay down and they'll go away. So um, we put the boys down. And this is Jacob, our oldest. I did not read this book that night, but we have a book that talks about when baby sister comes, your cousin's going to be here, mom and dad are going to be at the hospital, blah, blah, blah. And so I didn't read the book that night, but for some reason, I thought to mention to him, remember when baby Chloe comes, you know, your cousin's going to come here. And he's like, yeah, and your mom and dad are going to be at the hospital. So that was kind of a sign subconsciously that I knew it was going on. I don't know. So I told him that, gave him a kiss. He went to bed. Um, we go downstairs back to finish with, it was Super Bowl halftime at this time. Of course, I wanted to watch the halftime show since it was epic. So I'm sitting on the ball watching the halftime show, pretending that we're back in the what early 2000s. Um, and during that, I'm having these cramps that are more like menstrual cramps. And I told Evan, you know, after the show was done, like, okay, just so you know, these are half, half, I don't know. He says that I didn't lead it, like lead on that they were real, but I feel like I told him I was having cramps, whatever. We watched the halftime show. I was like, okay, I'm going to go upstairs and go to bed. Um, and so I went to the kitchen first, of course, to clean up everything from the Super Bowl because um, I couldn't go to sleep without doing that. So I'm listening to your podcast, actually, cleaning the kitchen stopping every five or six minutes to have these period cramps um, (laughs) while I'm cleaning the kitchen. But I'm like, it's just because once I sit down, they'll be gone. Denial, denial. I don't know what is wrong with me. So I'm cleaning the kitchen. Also, why can't I just sit down? Why am I, what am I doing? But I also remember thinking, if this is real, I need everything to be clean. The cousin's coming. She's going to take them to school in the morning. They're going to need to have their Valentine's Day candy separated. So I packed that all to the side. You know, I'm getting everything ready. Okay, so I go upstairs, finally. Go upstairs, drink my water, lay on my side, turn on my Christian hypnobirthing track. And I usually go to sleep. And... um I got to the end of the Christian hypnobirthing track, which is like 17 minutes or something. And I've never heard the end of it. And I was like, oh, that's so weird. Why am I still awake? Let me play this again. Played it again. And then I'm realizing I'm sure I'm in and out of sleep kind of at this point and starting to be in labor land, as we call it. But I didn't realize that. So when the second time it was at the end of the track, I called Evan, who's downstairs watching the actual end of the Super Bowl. And I was like, hey, just so you know, I'm like still having cramps. I keep calling them cramps. And I can't fall asleep, just so you know. And he's like, okay, so do you want me to come upstairs? Like, is this labor? And I was like, you know, just like when you come, you know, the next commercial, whatever, just, yeah, whatever. Okay. So thank God he comes like basically right away. 
And his description, he comes, I'm like full on moaning through the contractions. Again, I don't really remember. I think I had started Legoland, obviously, at this point. So he comes upstairs. He hears me moaning through them. And he's like, okay, these aren't cramps. Like, these are contractions. Like, are you timing these? You know, he starts getting into whatever mode. I'm like, timing? You know, again, as a midwife, I'm like, the timing doesn't matter. It's all about the intensity. Like, what? So he starts timing them. And um, he's like laying in the bed with me. I'm laying on my side. And they're like every three minutes or something like that. So he says to me, you know, they're every three minutes. I'm like, okay, if this sounds like late, if it sounds, do I, okay, if I sound like that to you, sure. Like you should start, you know, my bag's packed with the stuff. And I was like, put your stuff in the bag. Like we can text our cousin, let's get things going. And like after that, my water broke. (laughs) So that was a very obvious, clear, I felt a huge pop and a gush. It's happened with my first baby as well. And I was like, okay, denial was over. I knew for sure that now, obviously, something's happening. So my water breaks. And so it's been about an hour and a half, probably, of me having these like menstrual-like cramps. Um, and then the water breaks. And that's when, obviously, the intensity picks up and it's clear. So he calls our cousin to come. She lives about 10 minutes away. Of course, it's the last big snowstorm of the year night. So it's late. It's almost 11 at night. She's like, okay, I'm going to get my stuff together. I'll be there. We're going to drive safely. Um, And I start laboring. I tried to lean over the ball. I hated that. Um, I really could only find, I liked sitting in the rocking chair with my heat pad on and just vocalizing. That's all I did. And we were waiting for our cousin to get there. Um, So again, 15, 20 minutes or so, we're waiting. Now I am breathing. It's getting intense, but you know, it wasn't, I don't know. It it was, it just keeps intense. That's the only way I knew how to describe it. And I felt like I was opening, but I did not feel, you know, any kind of intense pressure or urge to push or anything like that. So I was like, this is perfect. When our cousin gets here, I'll get up and change my adult diaper and we will put our yoga pants on and go to the car and go to the hospital and push a baby out. So I had probably one or two really strong ones that I remember were really hard to breathe through. I actually said open through them. I was trying to command my body to just stay relaxed and open. And I felt so much fluid, more than I've ever experienced. Um, And like everything was soaked. So I was like, you know what? Even if she's not here yet, we got to go because something's going to happen. Like we got to go. So Evan helps me get off the rocking chair. We get to the bathroom. And to change my adult diaper, again, that is a huge life hack. I I like that was helpful for all of my labors and postpartum. Um, And this is kind of the first scary moment for me because um, the fluid wasn't clear anymore. It was greenish brown, which is meconium. And that's when a baby has a bowel movement inside. Um, Their bowel movements are sterile, so it's not yucky or anything like that, but it can be a sign of distress. Um, And in most hospital settings, they call the NICU team to be present at births for that, just because that fluid is thicker than clear amniotic fluid. Babies can swallow it and have trouble breathing, et cetera, et cetera. So all this is going through my head, gets me out of my body that I've been in, and I'm seeing this fluid and my face drops. And Evan, you know, has been doing his 
dad doula stuff. He's been playing my music for me. He's been offering all the things that we had prepared. Um, and he saw my face drop in this moment. And he's like, what does this mean? Like, talk to me. You know, he also, I have my YouTube channel and I had done a video about when your water breaks. So he knows that something is wrong, but he doesn't quite know. So I can't verbalize to him because I'm trying to stay in my body and focus. And immediately while I'm changing the pants and saying, we got to go to the hospital soon, I start to feel this pressure, like I need to poop. And I'm like, oh no. Okay. So again, he's like, what's going on? And I was like, I think I fathomed the words like distress, which is not really good to hear. And I don't know if we can go. She might be coming. And he's like, what are you talking about? You know, he's physically like putting the diaper on me, picking me up. Like, let's go to the car. Paige is here. Let's go. That's my cousin. And so he stood me up. And then the next contraction, for sure, I was pushing involuntarily. I just knew it. And I was like, I was like, Evan, call 911. She's coming. Like, we're not going to the car. And he was like, what? You know, his eyes are just, he's like, Okay, so he called nine one one, and <laughs> called nine one one, and they're on the phone. You know, like if she's in the bathroom, tell her to get off the toilet. They're asked, saying all these things. They asked our address, which is you know, he was like, I just need the ambulance coming. Like I'm not going to listen to you. He like threw the phone in the corner. Um, the guy is doing his talk track of what to do. Um, our cousin brought some towels, and I remember at one point Evan was like do you want, should she be in here? Do you want me to go get her? And I'll like, you know, he was like, this is a woman thing. I don't know. Do you want her? And she was actually who came with me to the blessing way. And, um, you know, we had talked about her being there for the boys, obviously. And she made it very clear. She does not want to be involved with any birth stuff. That's not her thing. So I was like, no, she's not coming. You're here. Like she brought towels. Great. Catch, put your arms out, catch the baby. So I'm talking through all this, but it was really like a four minute period of time, right? It was very short uh, that all this is going on. So the next push, she starts to crown. The next push, she's born. And I just remember, um, again, I was really concerned because of the meconium. And I, I was trying to stay focused and fully in presence of my body and not be like, oh my gosh, I'm doing this at home. I didn't mean to oh my gosh, what if she comes out, you know, or how am I going to resuscitate her? I'm, you know, I was battling both of those worlds at the same time. And um, I just remember being so grateful that it was so quick because I would not have been able to stay present and in my body if this was like a prolonged experience. I would have been thinking too much about what if, what if, what if, what if. So she came out and uh she started screaming right away and crying and she was moving her whole body and it was amazing. That was the best sound. Thank God that she was completely vigorous and fine. And, you know, he handed her to me and, um, you know, then, then she was out and we were both so grateful because again, he was concerned since I had freaked out at the end about the fluid and I couldn't fully explain it to him. So she came out and she was perfect and um, happy and slimy and full of all that stuff. And um, it was, I mean, it was beautiful because it was birth, but it was birth. It was, my bathroom was really uh, dirty at this time. So 
Um, she was born at home on February 13th. She was born 27 minutes before midnight. So she was not born on Valentine's Day. Although we thought she was going to be, because I was like, oh no, you know, by the time we get to the hospital, oh no, it's going to be after midnight. I was like, whatever, I surrender to it. If she needs to be born on Valentine's Day, that's fine, whatever. But she wasn't, so um, <laughs> I'm happy about that. This is such an amazing story. Oh my gosh. So many like highs and lows, more highs than anything, right? It just yeah. kind of moves so fast, um, especially for a third child, right? Like you said, you've been cramping all day. Um, <laughs> and Evan's like, woman, this is this is more than cramping, okay? I know this this look, okay? <laughs> I know. And I I Frequently have gone back, like, what would a, quote, normal person, when would they have called their midwife, called their doctor, you know, and I am sure when I was, when I was cleaning the kitchen, because again, why, why just sit down, you guys, like, just go to sleep. What do you, don't clean your kitchen. But anyways, when I'm cleaning my kitchen and stopping, like, every five to six minutes, though they weren't uncomfortable, they were regular and they made me stop, you know? So that's when, you know, a quote, normal person probably would have started timing and alerting the media that they were starting birth. But for some reason that didn't happen for me. I think the, the, as you get through multiples as well, like you have this, you know, of course your body has like more of the muscle memory of what things are happening and doing. And you're just kind of like, Oh, I'll know. And you do know but it's a very delicate timing. Like you can get to the hospital crowning, but making that decision and knowing your body enough in that space to say, we're not having a baby in the car. Okay. <laughs> like, when That is not what you want to do. Okay. Like either just have your baby at home or make it to the hospital, but you're not going to want to have your baby in the car. So I think it was really important for me looking back, you know, the solitude of I was the only one who knew, you know, even without Evan, um, like, I don't know, I think that really helped me deal with it and get through a lot of it and was really the focus I wanted. Again, total opposite of my induction. I wanted it to be, we were healthy and well, right? Like, my body is doing this. It knows how to do this just the way other childbearing animals do, they go by themselves and just do what they need to do, you know? And so I think that was really important to me until I needed the support of someone else. Um, I just didn't need to let anybody know, even myself apparently, um, that this was happening, you know? And I just felt, I loved that about this birth, that I was just doing it. And um you know, my body didn't need anyone's permission or anyone's anything. It was just doing it. And she was, little Chloe was in there just saying, yep, I'm coming. Um, so, yeah, so she came out. And so now um, we have to deal with the aftermath. So now I'm like, oh, gosh, okay, she's out. Thank God she's fine. I'm fine. I'm sitting on the toilet. Evan's washing his hands saying, what just happened? This is crazy. You know, the ambulance guy is still on the phone going through his talk track. And um, I need to get that recording. I'm going to look that up to find that recording because I do want to try and give it to Evan for Father's Day or something. I don't know. Um, and so then EMS gets there 
<clears throat> and this is where I start being a horrible patient. So they, you know, I'm like, this is good. I just birthed the whole baby at home. I don't really need you. Guys. You know, I, I needed you if I needed you, but now I don't. And I just need to get to the hospital and, you know, so they get there and they are very like protocol, you know, it's like five men. It's again, a snowstorm. So they're wearing their huge boots. They've got their walkie talkies. They're coming up my stairs. We live in an old historic home, very loud. I'm like, don't wake up my kids. You know, my sons are asleep in their room. It's midnight. Like they have their sound machines on. Thank God they didn't wake up at all. But I'm hearing them walk up my stairs with walkie talkies. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they're about to wake everybody up. So I'm like, tell them to be quiet. I'm holding a baby on a toilet, focused on this. So <clears throat> it's the total opposite energy. You know, five burly men come into my bathroom. Like, where is she? What's going on? Blah, blah. And I think they were, they thought, that this was like a home birth gone wrong. So they were like, where's the midwife? Like, what's going on? How can we help? And my husband, you know, Evans, again, God bless him, because he really did so. I didn't know he was as freaked out as he was, because he really was so calm and an anchor for me. But of course, it's all coming through his body now. So he's like, she's a midwife. And they were like, what? She's the, he's like, yeah, she's a midwife. And I was like, no, babe, they're, they're confused. They think that there's a midwife here and that we had a home birth and that something's wrong, you know? So it was just a, chaotic moment. So they realize I'm happen to be a midwife, but I'm the patient and this went too fast and blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> so they come assess me a little bit. And I'm like, okay, hey, help me up. Like, you know, my butt hurts. There's a lot of pressure. Help me off this toilet. And they're like, no, we, per protocol, you've got to sit there. We've got to take two vital signs that are 15 minutes apart and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so stupid. Like, no, you don't. I need help. I was like, can I just get up? And Evan was like, Jana, they're trying to help you. Like, you just had a whole baby at home. Can we just like, can we just please? And I was like, okay, fine. So I'm sitting on the toilet for these two vital signs, 10 minutes apart or whatever it is. My blood pressure is fine. Everything's fine. They just, it just feels like literally there's just like four or five men just staring at me. Like, is she okay? Is she going to faint? Are we going to, what are we going to do? What's the blood pressure? And I was like, you guys, I'm fine. Just help me up. Whatever. So I waited for their blood pressures. Evan cut the cord. They helped her cut the cord, helped him cut the cord. He took Chloe. And then they finally helped me off the toilet, thank God, um, to change, to get onto this little wheelchair hard thing um, that they wanted me on. So they're asking Evan to put her in clothes so that we can go outside. And he doesn't know where I organize all the clothes in her little closet area. So he put, you know, she's full of mech and blood and right. And so he pulls out like some very cute, frilly outfit. He's like, okay, I'll put, I was like, no, babe, don't put her in that. Like, just put on one of these onesie things. He's like, well, where's that? And I'm like, you know, I'm sitting on this wheelchair thing with a sore bottom, like sitting to the side, pointing to him, like put her in that. And da, da, da. So my cord is still coming out of my vagina. The placenta's still in. And I was like, can I just deliver the placenta? Like I'm crampy. I know it's ready. And they, and they're like, no, 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 we can't. That's risk of bleeding. Like, no, ma'am, just sit. And I was like, you guys, I just needed to come out. It's I'm just going to reach down there. Like, no, no, don't, don't. I was like, oh my gosh. So I'm sitting to the side on this wheelchair thing with a cord hanging out of my vagina, cramping, telling Evan to put on not a frilly outfit. He gets her dressed. That's fine. They take me down my clunky stairs again, this old house. I'm like, you guys are making so much noise. My kids are going to wake up. I'm trying to sit on the side in this wheelchair thing that they're putting me down from because every time you hit a stair, it's hurting my butt. 
So then I transfer on to this gurney thing. They put her on me and put all this warm blankets on us. We get into the ambulance. Okay. We made it to the ambulance. Um, Evan is going to drive behind us. And then they're like, per protocol, you have to keep the oxygen mask by her. And I'm like, she's fine. She doesn't need oxygen. Oh, and Evan again is like, Gianna, just like, listen to them. I'm like, oh, good. So I'm leaning to the side with the cord coming out. I say again in the ambulance, you guys, my placenta needs to come out. Can I just get it out? And they're like, no, 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 please. And I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. So they're trying to start an IV on this bumpy ambulance ride. That's like a six minute ride. And I'm a really hard IV start. I'm like, you guys, I'm not bleeding. I don't need an IV. Can we please just not? So they're like, okay, fine. We're almost at the hospital. It's fine. We won't give you an IV. So I'm still tilted, leaning to the side, get to the hospital. I'm at the ER. And I'm like, can't we just, let's go to labor and delivery. Like I, the baby's out. I don't need to go through ER. Again, knowing hospitals and policies, like the baby's delivered. You don't, I don't have to go through the ER. No, it's protocol. You have to go to the ER. I was like, oh my gosh. Okay, fine. So I get to the ER. They are like, this is a home birth. And everyone's like wheeling me fast. Again, I think people think this is a home birth gone wrong or that the baby needs support. I don't know. They're like, what? Okay, take me to this huge trauma bay. So now I'm in this big trauma bay. Three residents come in, two nurses. The tech is putting me on the, the monitors on my heart. Um, the two attending doctors come in. Everybody's like, what's happening? And I was like, Hi. And at this point, I'm, I start speaking, I'm sure, medical birth ease because they all are like, oh, everybody calm down. She knows what she's talking about. The attending was like, what do you do? And I was like, I'm a midwife at a hospital down the street. Like, everything's fine. Can you just get my placenta out, please? Like, I was like, that's all I need. I feel cramping. I'm leaning to the side. There's a cord hanging out. Please take my placenta out. Give me a shot of Pitocin. I'd also like a shot of Toradol, please, because I'm uncomfortable. Like, I'm just start barking orders at this ER team. So thank God everybody calmed down. That's what they did. The resident helped. My placenta was basically out. She just kind of helped it come out. And I'm bleeding a little extra because it's just been sitting there for this 20 minutes or whatever. So they're massaging, you know, my belly to help the bleeding stop. And they did give me the shot of Pitocin because of the bleeding. And then the shot of the medication for discomfort. Um... So that was just a fun little pit stop. Uh, And then Evan met us in the ER. I didn't think they would let him in, but they did. So he met us there. And everybody was like, oh, this is so cool. We're in the ER. We usually see other stuff. We're so happy to see this. This is so cool. You know, so they're all talking about the birth. And Evan's like, yeah, it was crazy. And I'm just sitting there like, okay, guys, can we get me to where I'm supposed to be? Like, let's go to a midwife, somebody that knows what they're doing. Let's go to labor and delivery. God bless the ER, but you know, they just, that's not for them. So the placenta came out, the resident said I didn't have any tears. I didn't trust her exam, to be honest, but she said that, but I was happy. That'd be great. So finally I get to labor and delivery. The nurses welcome me. There's a midwife there who I'd never met. who's very kind. Um, You know, I'm telling my story and then they're assessing the baby. She looks great. They're doing all of her kind of weight and all that stuff. And at the same time, the midwife takes a look at my bottom to see if there's a tear. Indeed, I did have a first degree small tear. Um, and then this is where I was very dramatic. It hurt so bad for her to do that exam. I think all of it just came through my body. Like, I know I just had a baby at home, but 
the moment she touched me, I was like, oh my God, this is so bad. I need pain meds now. Like I just was, it was bad. It was very dramatic. But again, I think it just all came through my body at this moment. So they have to start an IV, which I didn't have, which is hard for them to do because I'm a hard start just to give me IV pain meds just so she can finish touching to look, to sew it up, blah, 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 drama. I was a drama queen for a second there, but it was fine. It literally took her half of a minute to do the stitch and it took like 10 minutes to get the IV in to give me the medicine to do it, but it's fine. I needed it. Um, so yeah, then they sewed me up and... We were recovered in post in labor and delivery for a little bit, and then went to postpartum. So that was the postpartum part of birth. <laughs> yeah. Was this the right hospital? Was it the one you actually planned to birth at? Okay. Yeah. 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 You were a bad patient, but that's okay. <laughs> this is not necessary. None of this. Like, stop it. Like, at least you can get me up. Oh, my blood pressure's fine. No, I don't need to go to the ER. You know, I was just like, gosh, you guys. <sighs> they just didn't know who they were working with. That's all. They just didn't know. And it was just so funny, again, the juxtaposition and the beautiful moment, you know, every, and then all of a sudden these, like, five big burly men are in my house barking orders at me and my husband. And, you know, it was just so funny how quickly that changed. Um so, so yeah, that's the story of how an experienced midwife has her third baby at home on accident. Um, and that's just how it should have been. That's how it was supposed to be, supposed, apparently. That's how it was supposed it to be. It was your first thought. It was. Um, yeah. I was going to ask you about, oh, about getting your recording from the emergency oh, yeah. from 911. Uh, we had another storyteller. I don't know if you've ever listened to Dana Rubin's story, but she was able to get her recording. So you can get them. I, I don't know. know if she explained it in the story. So is she, um, does she, have a, is she a doula? Um, she, she does like hypnobirthing um, classings. I think she is a doula now too. Really funny. I wasn't going to necessarily share this. I heard her story and she resonated so much with me. I actually reached out to her when I was like 19 weeks pregnant and had a, like a consulting call with her. Um, and she's a very spiritual birth worker and ancestral. And she spoke a lot of things over me. Um, one being that she saw home birth in my future, which is so crazy. Um, and that's when I kind of got the strength to really talk to Evan about it. And two, that um, she sees this dark orange color as like a color representing my birth, which I don't know if you can look at my walls right now behind me. This is our nursery. This is the color of the walls in our nursery. So really intense. I've actually meant to reach back out to her and kind of follow up with her. She spoke a lot over me, a lot of other things um, that really resonated with me. So anyways, Sorry, that was no. A- it's fine. That's what it's for. This is community. This is this is how it works, right? This is this is what we envision it. <laughs> yeah, she did get the recording. Yeah, that's funny. So yeah, I will have to find it, but I do need to follow up with her as well because she spoke a lot over me that came to pass. So, mm-hmm. and how is postpartum today? Oh, yeah. So I am three and a half months postpartum, as well as 22 months postpartum and 39 months postpartum. (laughs) So I've got 
a three-year-old and almost two-year-old. And yes, little Chloe is um, a little over three months. I want to start by saying I prepared for postpartum while I was pregnant this time. Um, I think an experience, experience teaches us that or should. I hope so. Um, I knew that I would need support with three under three. So Evan and I had a lot of conversations and intentional plannings of, um, I told him, I really, I'm going to be out of commission for two weeks. Don't expect me to do anything. I'm going to be upstairs with the baby. What kind of support do we need such that I'm not even going to be doing anything for two weeks, you know? So he was going to be doing daycare drop-off and pick-up. Again, we had talked about this so that it wasn't going to be a point of contention or as much of one come the actual time, you know? I think that was really important to have a clear, I said, let's start with two weeks and then we'll evaluate and see how we're doing. Um, we, I had told all of my family, they were all excited. This is the first girl in the family on his side for over a hundred years. Um, my side was just excited to get a girl. Like everybody wanted to buy us all the things. And I was like, I love you guys. I need you to send food. I need you guys to plan food and meals and help pay for services. We had, um, hired what we call mama's helper. So she kind of started in third trimester with me of pregnancy. She'd come to the house and do all the things like laundry, clean the high chairs, organize toys. You know, she'd come on board to do that and was coming even more frequently in the immediate postpartum part to basically be my hands and feet when I wasn't doing anything. So I told family, I need meals and help with that. And we need help to pay for the mommy's helper. I don't need 20 more bows. I don't need pink stuff for her. Love you, love all that. But this is what I need. So you want to help? This is what we need. So I was very intentional about asking for that. Um, and again, getting that help around the house for both of us. Um, and then we did have family here for lovely. It was amazing. My mom and sister were here for a while. And then his mom was here for a while. And that was just amazing. Um, we felt so well supported through that immediate time. And when I was off work, literally the day that my mother-in-law left, which was my mom was here. And then she came back to back. I started crying. It was like, oh my gosh, this is real. What am I going to do now? I don't have a grandma. You know, they all live far away. And so I had another moment of like, oh my gosh, this is real life. How are we going to do this? I'm going back to work next week or whatever it was. And, you know, and so I brought that to Evan. I was like, look, I'm freaking out. Like, you know, so we re-looked at our plan again, right? Like we had a good plan to and through this part. Let's sit down and talk and come up with a plan to and through this next part. And I think it's helpful to look at it in sequential pieces like that. The first three months is different than the next three months is different than the next six months, different than the next year, right? Um, and I think we had learned that with our previous experiences, that what I will need, what we will need, looks different at different times in the postpartum journey. So... Um, so yeah, that was the immediate. And then now um, we are, we've got a great daycare that all the kids are in that we love. I've got a therapist that I've been working with um, again towards the end of the pregnancy. I started, I struggled after the birth of our second um, with some, what I now know is postpartum depression and anxiety um, that I didn't then. For me, it resonates more as an irritability and just feeling like everything is annoying and the dogs are annoying and the kids are annoying, the noise and the clean, like just everything is annoying. That's 
what I feel, that irritability. Um, but I didn't recognize really as postpartum anxiety and depression. Um, but now I knew that's what it was this time. So kind of getting on that earlier, working with my therapist earlier with that, having conversations with Evan earlier, once I started to feel those things. Um, so yeah, I would say that's kind of still where we are, is navigating that in this second part of postpartum. Thank you for sharing that, that irritability piece. I think that sometimes we just think that's the natural part of being a parent, right? Um, that all these responsibilities, all these different um, stimulation, like overstimulation of being a parent and, and the work of it, right, can just present it like this is normal, right? This is how it feels and I just need a break, right? But it's more than that. Um, and I hope that that resonates for someone that's listening that is like, or to give them at least pause to think, is it more to it than that for them right now as they're thinking about their postpartum journey as well? or even prenatally. Yeah, because I would find breaks, you know, especially once they were all in daycare and, uh, or when my mother-in-law and was here, like I would have breaks um, and I was still annoyed. I was still like, ugh, 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 everything is just annoying. And no, I don't want to go to the park because that's annoying. I got to pack the bag, I got to do this. Uh, uh. Like everything was like that, you know? Um, and instead of, yes, I'm a bad mom or I don't want to hang out with my kids or, you know, all the guilt that you put on yourselves, which again, in the second second time, that's kind of what my experience was with it. I was like, okay, got it. This is not my fault. This is not, you know, anything that's wrong with me. I mean, it is, it's a, something's going on, right? Not like I'm just not being a fun mom or I'm not um, being a nice dog owner or whatever. It's really the dogs. That's always when, when I start like yelling unnecessarily, at my dogs for not doing it, you know, why do you need water? Why are you, you know, why are you asking me to pet you? That's what I'm like, okay, Gianna, something, something is too off for you. So, um, yeah. That's good though. You know, you know. Yes. <laughs> uh, I love the postpartum planning as well. Just that, you know, taking that the next step, because it, it does happen with family, especially I would even say I'm going to take the extra step and as it's saying like black families, like the more stuff they give you, the more they feel like they're supporting you or that and it's like we don't actually need all of that. And I know there's excitement and you can still go shopping if you really feel like you need to do that. But this is what I need. This is what would bring me joy and our family would be able to, you know, transition well with this type of support and really getting people on board to see that this is something you probably could have used at the point when you were having kids too and you just didn't know it, right? You're changing that trajectory for your family and generations to come, right? That this is what we do when babies are born, actually. They did take direction well. And I was even clear on like, like with, Elijah, our second birth, again, in 2020, we got a lot of DoorDash gift cards and things like that, which was great. But I was like, I need, I want nourishing food. I can't, I don't want to just order DoorDash all the time this time. So my mom actually found like a lady that does meal prep out here who made homemade meals. No, they weren't. It wasn't organic, whatever, whatever. But it was homemade meals that she delivered to me that, you know, my family got to eat and I got to eat during the immediate postpartum. It wasn't just ordering a pizza and takeout all the time. We of course did that too, but it, you know, I was really appreciative that 
I, I was able to verbalize what I needed and they listened. Um, and Bob, she has all of the bows and all of the headband gear still. Um, but <laughs> it was nice to, you know, ask her and receive what we asked for. Yeah. Beautiful. Is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners, whether it be advice, additional resources, or anything else from your birth that you might have forgotten? No, I, I think just prepare for postpartum while you're pregnant as much as you're preparing for the birth. Um, I think that's a really big takeaway and really helped me this time. Um, and just remember birth is normal. I don't know. I think that was just a really big theme for me throughout the pregnancy and even during the experience of it, relying on that truth and just going back to that innate wisdom and knowledge that this is normal. There are variations of normal um, and having that be comforting for you, for me. Um, I guess that's it. Thank you. Yeah, for all of our listeners, they can find you on YouTube, of course, um, Instagram at Evidence Based Birth still for teaching for childhood. Yeah, yeah. Space Birth Instructor. Yeah, my Instagram is at Midwife Um, and yep, my YouTube channel is that too. That's on pause for a second as I navigate this three, three, and under thing, but I am definitely going to be there. Um, doing lots of good work. Hopefully making my own childbirth course. Uh, we'll see. That's, I think, in the plan. So, Yeah. But, you know, YouTube is there. So go back and catch up so they can get to know who you are and all the knowledge that you share. And she'll be back when she's ready. <laughs> exactly. Thank you so much you guys do. Oh, we love connecting and building this community of people, right? That are just, we all come with some form of resource. We all are sources to these little people that we're bringing into the world. Um, and, and even the little ones that don't make it home, right? So there's just, there's just so much within the community, so much knowledge. And we love you guys for listening. We love you for showing up after the babies come. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Birth Stories in Color. To hear this show and other episodes, head to birthstoriesincolor.com. 